Shalom, everyone. This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by me. It is from the book of John, chapter 7. Uh, feel free to check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. You will find their archived Shabbat messages, as well as blog posts by my dad, which you can subscribe to in the little subscribe box. Put your email in there. Um, those are weekly. You can also... Uh, check out our social media links, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we put up stuff there weekly, sometimes daily. Um, you can also subscribe to our Shabbat messages on your favorite podcast pl- platform provider, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, whatever else is out there. And um, our theme music is by my buddy Evan Shaw. Uh, you can check out his stuff at evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does not me away. The soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and zero. Okay, Shabbat Shalom. So, as I said, we're going to be in John chapter 7 and continuing through John. Eventually, I'll get posted all our back messages and you can listen to 1 through 6 if you'd like to. Also, keep in mind, um, tomorrow we're going to go up to, I don't think I've told you this, uh, but we're going to go up to Kearsarge, which you're welcome to come, and um, try to sight the moon tomorrow evening for the beginning of Yom Teruah, the first of the fall holidays. And so, Winslow State Park. Winslow State Park. I can give you more details afterwards. Um, but yeah, so that's the plan. The weather looks good, looks clear. Weather looks clear in Israel for sighting the moon. So, uh, yeah. Oh, so we're planning on getting there around two ish to hike. You still want to hike? Okay. Uh, I don't know. We'll talk about that after. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk after. Um, otherwise, you know, like dinner time, we'll, we'll start a fire. We'll grill it. Grill it. Yeah, four. Okay, you're planning five. Okay. <laughs> yeah, somewhere between four, five, whatever, you know. Sunset is like quarter of seven. Um, and then it, the moon will be visible for about, um, I don't know, usually around a half an hour, give or take. So sunsets around like quarter to six, and then I'm sorry, quarter to seven, and then the moon will be visible for a short window of time between you know sunset and then when the moon sets. So we'll be looking. Yeah, bring food to eat, grill. We're gonna grill. So. So John chapter six, seven. I'm having a bad day. <laughs> 
Alright, uh, alright, so we'll read, we'll read through this and just kind of talk about it as we go. Um, I won't recap too much, but basically you have a lot uh, that has been going on with Yeshua and his life and what he's been dealing with with the, with the authority, because that's really what he's been dealing with uh, leading up to this, this chapter in, in his whole life, really, is, is he's butting up against the current day religious authority of the, of the Jews of the time. And so the, the rabbis, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, basically. Uh, the Sadducees being those who uh, control the temple, the Pharisees being those who control more of the day-to-day religious, I don't like to use that term, but day-to-day living and how to interpret the scriptures and how they're supposed to live the Jews of the day, as well as any of the, any Gentiles who want to come in and be a part of the community of God. They had set up a whole system that limited how you were supposed to come in and be part of the kingdom of God, be part of his people, which is not what God ever intends. So Yeshua's come on the scene. He's got this whole big following. He's teaching doctrine, teaching, teaching that he's going to say in here that it's not his own, it's from the Father. So he's giving himself direct authority from God. That was not the norm of the day. The way that they uh, spoke and, and uh, gave, validated what they said was based on who had taught them. So they would say, such and such said this, or such and such said this, and you got Yeshua come along and he says, but I say, or as it is written. And so he throws it back in their face and says, you know, you guys don't actually have faith. You don't actually believe. You don't actually trust God because you don't, you don't trust me. You don't follow and believe in me. And so and he's going to call them out through use of the scripture. So it's really, it's a beautiful thing. Yeshua was a, a very contentious uh, de- person in and of his day, you know, because he was upsetting the entire apple cart of authority and leadership. And so it was fracturing the people uh, for good. And that's why they wanted him dead, because he was, uh, they didn't like that. <laughs> so... Uh, start in verse, verse we'll, we'll pray and then we'll start in chapter 7. Heavenly Father God, I do thank you for this wonderful day that we can be here on Shabbat, that we can rest, that we can gather, study and read from your word to learn what you have to teach us, that we may walk it out, do it, be blessed, and uh, be a light and a witness for you, change our own lives, change those around us, and uh, live more for you, God. And I thank you for your words of life. And uh, just uh, speak to us today. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Okay, so John chapter 7. After these things, Yeshua walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. So, basically, kind of everything I just said. He's he's hanging up out in the Galilee now, because down in Judea, which was where uh, the Jerusalem, that was the stronghold of you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they, they were pretty angry at him at this point because he was defying their, their authority and leadership. And so he's hanging out up in the Galilee, which is where he's from. He's from Nazareth. It's up in the north near the Sea of Galilee or Kinnereth. And, uh, <clears throat> but they don't, he's in, he, he doesn't get a whole lot of honor up there either. So Two, now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand, which is coming up for us. It's about two weeks away. And his brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, go unto Judea, that, that, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren 
believe in him. So they're saying, you know, why are you hanging out in here? Why aren't you showing yourself to the world? You need to go uh, down to Jerusalem. And besides, it's Tabernacles anyway. All, Tabernacles was one of those festivals, one of the three pilgrimage festivals where all the men of Israel were to go up to, to Jerusalem to present themselves. And so he was supposed to go anyway. And they're like, well, why don't you just go ahead, get down there and show yourself, you know, why... Nobody does things in secret if they want to be known openly, but they were more mocking him because they did not believe uh, that he was the Messiah. And so, Yeshua says in verse 6, Yeshua said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. (laughs) The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast. I go not yet unto this feast for my time, is not full come. And when he had said these words unto them, he still abode in Galilee. So, so he just shoots right back at him. He says, uh, you know, my time's not yet come, but your time is always ready, which is interesting. So he's like, you know, your time is already ready. You can choose the path that you're going to go down, basically, is what he's saying. You can, you know, follow your own way or you can follow me. And, but, and, then, he, and then he lays out and says, he clearly defines who exactly they're, what party they're a member of because he says, the world cannot hate you, but it hateth me because I testify it that, it, that its works are evil. In other words, you're part of the world. You don't testify that the, light is, uh, that the world is, is evil. And that's essentially what happens. When you decide to align your life with Yeshua, with God, with the Bible, by definition, you testify that the works of the, of the world are evil. And they don't tend to like that. You know, you end up getting confrontation sometimes. Now, there's ways to, you know, you don't have to be a club out there in the world beating on everything and every person that you come into contact with. But when you're a light, it does expose darkness. And so oftentimes confrontation comes. But what happens is it reveals then the spirit of that person that you're interacting with. If they react poorly, for lack of a better term, term, you know that you've hit a sensitive spot. But if someone is being worked on by God, or there's already the Spirit of God in them, then, then there's a commonality, and, and there's, a, there's a connection because there's light in that person, and you're not fighting, fighting against God, essentially. So, uh, you know, that's always something to keep in mind, and I think as, as time goes on, those the differences between light and darkness, God's people and the world, are going to become more and more defined because, because the split is just becoming wider in, these, in this day and age. And it was as well then. So he says, go ahead up, I'm going to come, I'm going to come but, or uh, I'm going to hang out here basically. Verse 10, when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, but not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? Because they knew, you know, he should, he should be there. And there was much rumoring among the people concerning him. For some said, he's a good man. Others said, nay, but he deceiveth the people. Howbeit, no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. So, you know, everybody knew about him at this time. You know, there's, there's, um, there's estimations that have been done on basically how big his following was at its peak. And it was, I forget percentage-wise, I want to say it was somewhere around like, you know, better than 50% of the people were following him around and listening to him. Like, this was a big deal. I mean, it was no small little subculture of a thing. It was, it was, a, big, it was a big thing. And so that's why, you know, everybody's like, where is he? 
you know, you know, and so, um, but, but they feared the, the leadership of the day because, you know, they didn't want to be <sighs> caught between a rock and a hard place because there's really all, there's always a little bit of a cost to following God, to following Yeshua. You necessarily separate yourself from the mainstream and when you do that, you don't fit in with the normal trend all the time. And uh, sometimes there's ostracizing because of that. And the same thing was happening on here. Happening here. Uh, 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Yeshua went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? And Yeshua answered and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. So he, he stands up about mid, midway through the festival and, and, he, and he talks and, and he teaches. And they're all astounded, like, what? Who, who is this guy? How does he know, uh, know how much he knows without having learned letters? In other words, how is he educated to know so much and to be able to expound and teach so uh, proficiently as he is because he didn't go to their schools, you know? He didn't go to the seminaries. He didn't get educated at the finest institutions. And, they're like, and so they're kind of shocked, thinking, you know, what's this country bumping from the north, from the Galilee, where they looked disparagingly on the Galileans. And um, he was from Nazareth. So, uh, so he answers and said to them, My doctrine is not mine, but him that sent me. If any man, 17, will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So he's adding these qualifiers. He's saying, listen, I'm not speaking just for myself. I'm speaking from my father, God. So he's giving himself direct authority from God as he's speaking. And then he says, if any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. And they, So basically he says, if a person knows God, if a person has faith, true faith and belief in God, he will know in and of himself that what he speaks, that what Yeshua is speaking is the truth. Because it will resonate with his spirit. Because if God's spirit is within you, and you have trusted him and followed him, when the truth is spoken, you'll know it. And when falsehood is spoken, you will know it. Because it resonates or, or is dissonant with the spirit of God that's in you. Now, we still have to know God's word to be able to not have the wool pulled over our eyes. But there is a spiritual element to this. 18. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory, his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. So he's talking about himself here, uh, and he's, he's saying he's speaking not for his own glory, but for the glory of God. 19. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keepeth the law? Why you go, go ye about to kill me? So, so he just lays it right at the feet, and he says, you guys... Say that you keep the law of Moses, that you run your life by the law of Moses, but you don't keep it because you're trying to kill me unjustly. Uh, because they did not have a case to put him to death. Then the people answered and said, Thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? So they're like, You're crazy. Who's, who's trying to kill you? Yeshua answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and you all marvel. Moses therefore gave you unto you circumcision, not because it's of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me because I have made a man every fit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So he's saying to them, 
He's giving an illustration of what he did. He, he healed a man on the Sabbath day, which according to their interpretation of the scripture was not correct to do because they considered it work. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. That was their interpretation. And then they laid that on all the people, these heavy burdens which men cannot bear, and called it sin. And Yeshua says, wait a minute here. So he kind of calls them out with an illustrative point. He says, so you say that I'm wrong for healing somebody on the Sabbath day, but so, so not to break the law of circumcision, if a baby turns eight days old on the Sabbath day, you'll circumcise the baby on the Sabbath day so not to break the commandment of circumcision. You'll break the Sabbath so not to break a, a heavier, more weightier commandment, uh, which is circumcision. And so he's saying, you guys don't have equal justice. You, your, your interpretations are all skewed because you don't have, you're judging according to appearance, but not righteous judgment. Again, why? Because they don't have the right heart in them. And so they can't interpret the scriptures properly, properly without the right spirit within them to interpret and understand properly. So then some said, uh, verse 25, then said some of them in Jerusalem, it is not this whom they seek to kill, but lo, he speaketh boldly. And they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Messiah? I find that so interesting. That, that, so the people are standing back from a distance, and he's, they're like, wait a minute, this is the guy they're trying to kill. But he speaks with boldness. Do they actually... And that, I, I'm so in, they, they, these people think, wait a minute, do the rulers actually know that he's the Messiah. Why? Because if he's the Messiah, he's the king, and he has all authority, and of course he's teaching truth. And so they're, they're beginning to wonder if, like, wait a minute, who's the bad guy here? Is it actually the rulers are the bad guy? Because if he's the Messiah, and he's got the authority, and, but they don't have the authority anymore, of course they're going to want him dead if they don't follow and trust him. So they're like, hmm. So, very interesting. Do the rulers indeed know that this is the very Messiah? 27. Howbeit, we know this man whence he is. But when Christ cometh, Messiah cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. Then Yeshua cried in the temple as he taught. So I think he heard these people. He knows what's going on. And he says, you both know me, and ye know whence I am. And I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. So he's saying, I am true, you know where I came from, and I didn't come of myself, but you don't know a God. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. 30. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour wasn't come. And many of the people believed on him, and said, When Messiah cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? So you have this contradiction, this whole mix of people, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on, who this guy is. He's trying to explain it as best he can, but there's, there's chaos. There's mud in the water because of the, the rulers and, and what they have taught and how they have coerced the people. And so the, the people are starting to see what's going on, reality before their eyes, and it's lining up with the scriptures, but, you know, they're trying to sort through everything. And I think it's the same thing today. There's so much false teaching. There's so much from from a lot of religious leadership. There's so much 
confusion so that the people, they're trying and they're seeing little glimmers and, and glimpses of the truth and they're trying to piece it all together. And that's why it's so important for us, as it was for them, to know what the scriptures say so that we can discern what the truth is when, when there's seemingly some contradictions going on. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Where are we? At? Where are we? Uh, 32. The Pharisees then heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Yeshua said unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. You shall seek me, and shall not find me. And whither I am, thither ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go, that we shall not find him? Will he go into the dispersion among the Gentiles to teach the Gentiles? I find that, again, really interesting. Because, in a sense, that's exactly what he did. Right? Because after he ascended into heaven, where did the gospel go? Into the dispersion, into the Gentiles, to gather unto himself those who would and will believe that will eventually be gathered back in, and he'll gather all his scattered people from all over the earth. So, in a way, yes, that's exactly what he did. 36. What manner of saying is this that he said, You shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am, thither you cannot come? 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, this is the eighth day of Sukkot, Yeshua stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Um, uh, what would happen on the last day of the festival is they would have what they called a water pouring ceremony. And the priest would stand in the temple and they would pour out water as, as a symbol of, of blessing and praise and thanks unto God for his providing the rain on the land for the food so that they could eat and survive and live another year. And so it was a way of giving back symbolically unto God what he had given unto them in a way of blessing them. And so Yeshua stands up and says, uses that as an illustrative teaching point. And he says, you know, uh, any man that thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that, 38, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's coming from uh, Isaiah. But this he spake of, his, of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because, the Jew, uh, because Yeshua was not yet glorified. I don't believe, some people will teach that, you know, they didn't have the Holy Spirit until Acts chapter 2 when they're all in the temple, and that came down, and it says here the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Well, everyone who has believed and accepted God, God's Spirit from Adam, to the end, receives the Spirit of God. You, you can't be saved without the Spirit of God living inside you. But what I believe it's talking about here is the Holy Spirit had not yet been given unto his people in a, in, a, in, a, in a new power and capacity, maybe is one way to say it, for the mission that was going to take place. Because what, he just talked, what we just talked about, the gospel was going to go out unto the old all the, the lands. The, they were going to be driven out of the land and the dispersion was going to happen. And so God's word now needed to go outside the land unto the uttermost parts of the earth so that all could hear and, and, and believe and then be gathered back in. And so uh, Yeshua is saying, you know, come unto me, you who thirst, and I'll give you rivers of living water. I'll give you life. And that's why the Bible compares... Uh, God's word and trusting and believing in him it with 
with bread and water, that which sustains you and gives you life and keeps you alive. Because why? Separation from God is death. You know, God is that which sustains us. That's why he gives us these illustrative pictures so that we can understand his nature because he's completely outside of our ability to comprehend him. And so the only way we can comprehend him is through those things that he uses to teach us. That's why, that's why he told Moses, build the tabernacle according to the pattern which you saw so that they, we, we can understand how God functions. So, um, 40. Many of the people thereof, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Messiah. But some said, Shall Messiah come out of Galilee? Had not the scripture said that Christ, Messiah, cometh of the seed of David, out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division on the, among the people because of him. When, of course, as we know, he was born in Bethlehem. And then he went... His whole life was a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. So he was born in Bethlehem, fulfilled the scripture, went down into Egypt, came out of Egypt, and fulfilled scripture, then went up into Nazareth because a great light has shined up there to, again, fill scripture. So everything he did in his life was a fulfillment of scripture. Uh, and he was born during Sukkot. He was not born the end of December. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> He was actually born during the festival of Sukkot because during the festival of Sukkot, you live in tabernacles, little temporary dwellings, uh, something else. And, and when the Messiah came, he came and he tabernacled. He dwelt among us for a little while. And so it's, it's, it all ties back to the biblical holidays, Yeshua fulfilling all these things. And it's a beautiful picture of how he functions and how he teaches us. It's all related. And so, so you know, scripturally, scriptural thinking, biblical thinking, is not these cute little blocks on a linear timeline. It's more cyclical with everything attached and related. You know, it's like spokes of a wheel. You know, it's all connected to everything. All right, so there was division. They didn't know what to think of him. 44, and some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto him, Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, Never man spake like this. Then the answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. So they're, they're saying, These people, they don't know the law. They haven't gone to seminary. They're not, you know... Uh, educated, they're cursed, they're the little people. They can't understand. We need to, you know, feed them what we feed them. They can't, you know, absorb very much. It's this ivory tower, top-down thinking and an attitude that was rife within the, uh, the leadership of the day. The same thing happens today. You know, people will tell you, well, if, if, if you haven't studied all the biblical languages and you don't have all these commentaries, then sorry, you poor sucker. You can't understand the word of God. Well, that's just a bunch of crap. That's just a bunch of crap. God has given his word to, to the simple people. When his people came out of Egypt, you had a mix of everybody. But he taught everybody. It was simple, meant to be simple for the basic guy to be able to live according to God's laws of his kingdom to live a life that blesses you. 
you know, it's, it's not complicated, especially when you have the Spirit of God in you that teaches you, as he said he will. But, but they, don't, they don't see it that way. Uh, okay, keep going. People of the knowledge of the Lord. So, 50, Nicodemus. We've seen this guy before. Nicodemus was the one who went to Yeshua by night. And so I think he kind of pipes in here because he's like, wait a minute, I'm without saying without saying it, I, I kind of actually believe in him. <laughs> Nicodemus said unto them, he that came unto Yeshua by night, being one of them, 51, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and knoweth what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? So they, they totally lambast him. They say, Are you a Galilean? Which is a, a derogatory thing. That's like saying, uh, what would I, I don't know what I'd compare that to. From the other side of the tracks too, are you some scumbum from, from the projects as well? You know, we came from Yale and whatever and Harvard. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's kind of what they're saying. So they answered and said, Art thou also Galilean? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. So he's getting under their skin. I like it. It's good. You know, Yeshua's, you know, oftentimes he presented as this blonde-haired, blue eye. He's peaceful. He loves everybody. It's like, no, Yeshua was pretty straightforward, pretty contentious. You know, he laid out the truth because the truth separates light from darkness. And uh, like I said, not that we need to be going around hitting everybody with the, you know, our Bible as a club, but when you speak the truth of the Bible and you, and, you, and you live that out, it will either draw you together or it will either separate people based on what's going on in their heart and life. And uh, we see that in the life of Yeshua. Um, so, I don't know, how long have I been speaking for? 28 minutes. So, anyway, that's that. And uh, I guess we'll leave it there and uh, uh, we'll pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the life of Yeshua that you gave us and showed us and that he came to die to forgive us uh, and redeem us from our sins, that we did not any longer have to be separated from you, that through him he took that penalty that is, uh, was due uh, for all of us. So I thank you for, for giving of yourself to, to save us. And I just uh, pray that you would uh, give us the strength to continue to walk out your word in this life and and do what's right, to be obedient to you, to to analyze, to not be stagnant, but to look at our own lives with honesty, that we would would, uh, continually strive to improve and to live righteously and to be all that you would have us to be before you in in our uh, spiritual and our physical and our mental and all the walk of life that we do and that we would bring glory to you. And I just thank you again for this day to uh, come and worship before you and to hear from your word. I just pray that you would gather us from the exile, that we would no more be scattered all over the earth because of uh, the punishment for the sins of our forefathers, but that you would return, rule and reign, set up your kingdom, and that we would be able to serve you there. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does not only away. For soon is the day when we see your face.